Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Join us for a journey as we go back to the great civilizations of the past. Who were the people? What were they like? How did they begin? And how did they end? Let's find out on this episode of Fan of History. Hello, Dan. Hello, Bernie. Here it is. Now we're going to destroy one of the great civilizations of the past. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we're not going to do it, but we're going to talk about it, right? And you wanted to start this with a quote from Vladimir Putin, right? (laughs) Sure, yeah. I mean, I I found this when I was doing other things, and I was like, wow, that really fits. So he says, an empire always thinks that it can allow itself to make some little mistakes, take some extra costs, because its power is such that they don't mean anything. But with the quantity of those costs, those mistakes inevitably grow. Wow, that was fitting. Right? There's a little mistake, way even back when the, you know, Asher Banapal, all the things he did and all those wars and all the stuff, just everything. Yeah, remember when Asher Nasipal II was around and nobody messed with the Assyrians. Yeah. Well, now they're messing with the Assyrians. You got no choice. They don't, the Assyrians keep messing with you, I guess. So to set the scene here, we have the Assyrians have the help of Samtik I, the pharaoh of Egypt. He's actually marching Egyptian forces in Assyrian territory. And Nabopolassar of Babylonia has the help of the Medes and their vassals, the Persians. And maybe the Manians. We'll see if the Manians show up in this story. Uh Urartu seems to be hiding in the mountains as usual. And the Samirians and the Scythians are very hard to know where they are. But they are the Scythians especially are everywhere, it seems. Yeah, it seems. They're tribal, but they're definitely all over the place. And they're raiding as far south as Egypt. Right. So chaos rules the land. Chaos is for sure. Except in Babylonia. Yeah. 
And uh, we should talk a bit about this uh, Samtek who has been around forever and the situation of Egypt here. Yeah, Semiticus is why Samtek sometimes he's called or Semiticus. Yeah, it's the same guy. Egyptians are, their names are really like these weird hieroglyphs. So they're hard to pronounce. He's been a king for a while. Forever. Yeah. These kings of this period, this king seemed to last for a while. And he started as a vassal of the Assyrians, and then the Assyrians didn't come to him. And he was like, I'm still with you guys, but now he has to come and rescue them. Yeah. Why would he do that? I wonder if he brought his Greeks with him, too. We don't know anything about that. He probably did. He was very fond of Greek mercenaries. Yeah. So maybe there are Greeks running around in Assyria now. That's a sign of the end times. Tell you what. He, I don't know. If he did, they maybe would have won. Those Greeks were tough. But who knows? That's speculation. But it seems that the, the roles are reversed in the Egyptian-Assyrian relationship. That Samtik's motivation here might be that he wants the Assyrian Emperor to survive as a buffer state. Because he is already in the Levant. Right. And these poor city-states in the Levant that thought that the Assyrians are gone. They now are, have to deal with Pharaoh. Yeah. And he would like that. That's what definitely the Egyptians would want. They need that. They don't have their only territory. Like, they don't have anywhere to trade with. They don't have any other resources. Like, they, you know? And I also think that there is, like, quite an established relationship between Assyria and Egypt now. Whereas this new rising power of Babylonia is not something that Egypt is familiar with. Right. And remember the, the first rule about Egypt at this time is that Egypt is... Super conservative. Yeah. Even more so than the Assyrians. So they want things to remain the same. Yeah. And Nabopolassar's rise is meteoric and definitely something new and disturbing. For sure. And he's not going to let them have Palestine that they know of. I mean, they was, you know, in 50 years, it sounds like, because we're studying in history, you know, like, geez, they just attacked Thebes. But, you know, that's a couple generations. It's not like there's a lot of people that still were, you know, maybe necessarily mad about it. Not that they ask other people either. It's only the, you know, the kings that are in charge that makes all the decisions. But it's a great situation for Pharaoh if he can project his power this far out. And then you're, the Egyptian heartland is not threatened. And in some ways he's managed to convince the Egyptian soldiers to risk dying outside of Egypt. Yeah. Thinking about the other soldiers, I just want to I'm just bring it back so I don't forget. I think that they probably did have Greeks because I think they later on they do find... Not in this, but maybe the next decade, they do find Greek in, the, in Palestine, in archaeology. So they probably did have Greek soldiers, sorry. I'm sure they have Greek soldiers. We know that the Greek soldiers are well established. They've been to Nubia as well. Yeah, yeah. So Samtik comes with Greeks. Yes, sorry. Uh, we ended 616 BC with the Babylonian victory. The Assyrian forces at Arapa are defeated, and they are pushed back to the little Saab. This is way into Assyria. So now we are fighting in Assyria. Wow. That's unusual. Cyaxares is the king of the Medes. And remember that he has Assyrian elimination on his agenda. Yeah. He seems to hate the Assyrians even more than Nabopolassar does. Yeah, I think they killed his fathers, from what I understand. So I think that was means really, you know, it, revenge on that. It seems that Nabopolassar is building a new state. But uh, the Medes are just in it for the violence and yeah. killing Assyrians. Yeah. And here they come. In 615, the Medes invade Assyria. 
Right. They conquer the region around uh, Arapa, and they prepare for a great final campaign to destroy Assyria. Sinsharishkun is, of course, trying to stop this, but he's defeated by the Medes at the Battle of Tarbisu. Okay. And Nabopolassar is, isn't there. He's like, oh, the Medes are crushing the Assyrians. I better get moving. I gotta go. So he marches on Asher itself. Wow. He comes right into the Assyrian heartland and lays siege to Asher. And when did this happen the last time? When did an enemy reach the foundation, the, the original city of the Assyrians, Asher itself? I have no idea. It must have been hundreds, thousands of years. Yeah, it had to be the Mitanni, maybe. But this is way too much for Sinsharishkun, so he, he forces Nabopolassar to retreat. Okay. And Nabopolassar moves down to Tikrit, down the Tigris. And there is a, that's a fortress city under Babylonian control. Sinsharishkun attacks the city. There is a 10-day battle. But Nabopolassar retains control of Tikrit. And the Babylonian Chronicle records another Babylonian victory. But how influenced are they by the Assyrians? Will they lie about everything like the Assyrians do? Probably. It, it, it gives me the, um, that strategy, that tactician that he has. Though, again, he attacks Asher. He doesn't win. He doesn't, like, waste his time, right, like, sieging it. He moves back to his fortress. And then they come out to attack the fortress, and then he wins. Yeah, Nabopolassar retreats to a, uh, to a position that is much more profitable for him. Yeah. And he wins. Yeah. He must have read the ancient art of war before they wrote it. At some point here in Kala, remember Kala? Yeah, yeah. It used to be the capital. Uh, the, the people responsible for the defense of Kala makes the decision that one of our gates is too weak. So they remove the gate to repair it and make it stronger. Okay. Which means that Kala doesn't have one of its gates for two years. Okay. That was probably a good idea. But there is no gate right now in Kala. I hope they had another one, maybe, but otherwise they're stuck. <laughs> but this, uh, this gate was uh, important. Yeah. Well, and it's not there. Well, Kala is important, too. If you're no, no good having a gate if you don't have a city. Yes. So in, in 614 BC, the Medes return and they attack Asher, the city of Asher. Amazing. As Nabopolassar, they probably discussed this with Nabopolassar, but they think that Asher is the, the main target, this religious center, the ceremonial heart of the Assyrian Empire. Yeah. So if you take out Asher, Nineveh will fall. I mean, yeah, they must think, I mean, the way how superstitious and religious everybody was, they had to think if Asher fell and that God allowed it to happen, right? And, you know, it took its protection away from Assyria. Also, the Assyrian king has to be coronated in Asher. Oh, I must have forgot that. We have no details of the Median siege of Asher. Of course. But it succeeds. Apparently. They enter Asher, they sack the Assyrian temples... They lay waste to the ancient city of Asher, where the Assyrian state originated. Amazing. So the heart of the Neo-Assyrian Empire is destroyed here. All the work we talked about, every king who built things in Asher, it is all destroyed. I mean, at this point, too, where do you even get troops from? I mean, you've just lost so many troops, right? And they don't have any part. Their empire's all falling apart. They need the Egyptians. 
can't get any Medes. They can't get any Minians. Yes, and the Egyptians are nowhere near Asher, so they can't help here. Yeah, amazing. Bad, we're in trouble. The Medes also attack Nineveh and Kala, but apparently they don't find that the gate is missing, so they fail. Okay. They capture Tarbisu, which is Sheriff Kantre, just north of Nineveh. This is where Ashurbanipal resided as the crown prince. Okay. And uh, Nabopolassar isn't there. This is a battle to the death in the Assyrian heartland. And Nabopolassar is late to the party. Hmm. Intelligence failure. But he shows up. Just in time. I mean, at the end. He must have had some idea what something was going Well, he must have got word that it was happening and he mustered his army, right? And came up. Yes. At, at this point, the Medes have declared victory mm-hmm. and are carrying their loot back to Media. And then the Babylonians come and meet them? Yes. And there is a mention in the Chronicle that there is a ceremonial, there is a ritual where Nabopolassar and Cyrexis declare a formal alliance that they are blood brothers. They will fight to the end together against Assyria. Oh, there's, there's, there's any like paintings of that, Renaissance paintings. That, that would be a interesting. I bet you there is. If not, there should be. You'll have to pay attention to the fact that Nabopolassar, he fought the year before. It was tough. And now he got the Medes to do his dirty work for him. Yeah. His army is intact. Yeah. You're right. Brilliant. And the Medes were fighting Assyrians in the heartland. The Assyrians never surrendered. We know that the Assyrians are lethal warriors. So I bet a lot of Medes died in these battles. Good point. Yeah, let your enemies get beat up a little bit before. You know, not your enemies, but you know. Yeah, yeah, very good point. And if Nabopolassar wins this war, who will be his main enemy next? It's probably these crazy horse barbarians mm-hmm. who live in the mountains right next to his country. Mm-hmm. He has a fairly good chance, Nabopolassar to pretty much rule the same empire that Ashurbanipal ruled. Yeah. And he doesn't want a super powerful horse rider kingdom right next door. Yeah. But that is what he has. <laughs> and now he's allied with it. Yeah, but you're right with this then. But he's, you know, doing the, um, yeah, let them lose some guys first. He definitely seems like a very good, you know, general. We have no idea what the Egyptians are doing right now. But they are definitely not in the Assyrian heartland. They're not known as being, you know, very good um, military prowess. (laughs) And this situation looks terrible. When 614 BC ends, Ashur has been destroyed. And there's been a lot of fighting in the heartland. But in 613, Shinshar Ishkun launches the yearly campaign as This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. As usual, <laughs> he goes on the offensive and now he has Scythians as his allies. All right. If we believe in the Greek accounts of this, which are of course highly questionable, he starts by attacking the Medes. He wants to protect his flank. So the Scythians and the Assyrians go against the Medes. And that works out well. The Medes are staying in the mountains. Did he go into Media or he? this was in Assyria in Heartland? He threw them out of... Uh, okay, gotcha. Uh, that's how I interpret it. This yeah, yeah, I would think so. Not very good. I know, it's like one line. You're lucky if you got that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there is a city called Anat to the south from where... Sincharishkin is now. It was uh, conquered by Nabopolassar, but the city has revolted, and Nabopolassar has now arrived to besiege it. But then Sincharishkun and the Sidians attack him. Okay. Which uh, Ab- Nabopolassar sees the combined horde of Assyria and Sidia and retreats. Again, smart. You know, he's not being like all manly about it and saying he's got to stand and fight. He keeps it ready to fight another day. And this is strange, because we know what happened a year before. But now, Sincharishkun is victorious. He drives Nabopolassar out, and it seems that Assyria is so stable that he doesn't have to fear a revolt, which happened to his brother, and maybe to him as well. But he can, he can take the army, he can take the Scythians, go out, do the usual Assyrian king things. And it works. Mm-hmm. Despite the fact that the city of Asher is gone, and he actually starts repairing the fortresses. But that would be a good idea. And scholars have really questioned what is happening here. Yeah. The Assyrian army is so strong that they can throw out their enemies, they can start fortifying. They don't seem bothered. Mm -hmm. They will be gone in 612 BC. And this is the year before. But things are looking pretty good. And they are on the offensive. Maybe that wasn't the best thing to do, but maybe it was. I don't know. I still, I just feel like Nabopolassar has really had his stuff together. He really, he didn't lose his army. You know, I think he was careful with his army, I'd have to say. But maybe it was the original move against the Medes that was the success here. That Nabopolassar couldn't count on support from the Medes. Mm-hmm. So he wisely withdrew. Yeah. Because he wants the Medes to die and not, not the Babylonians. Yeah. Yeah, it's a whole thing he's balancing. And maybe he figured that if he fought the Assyrians so that a lot of Babylonians and Assyrians died, the Medes would take everything. Yeah, he probably did. It worked for him anyway, whatever he did. 
I, I think he really was a good strategist. I'll try to stop saying it. But this seems to be a, a regular Assyrian campaign. Yeah. It's like the, the campaign of 613. Everything is good. The king is out kicking butt. He doesn't get any new people paying tribute to him, and he has a lot of work left to do. But it looks good for Assyria in 613 BC. Yeah, like we'll fix this. We'll clean this mess up. And then we reach 612 BC. Oh boy. <laughs> now, Nabopolassar has talked to Cyraxis and they have combined their forces and they march on Nineveh together. Yeah. And the sources are terrible. Yeah. But the Sudians are gone. They are no longer friends of the Assyrians. And we have another ally on Nabopolassar's side. It's the Umamanda. You remember them? Yeah, they always talked about them like Asher Banapal and stuff. I think it wasn't Doug Dami. He was, a, well, yeah, yeah. I love that word, Umamanda. Yeah, it's like that. It's like that um, meteor that came through, wasn't it? Like the Umamanda. <laughs> <laughs> Umamanda means the tribal hordes. Okay. And it's like the the Greek word barbarian. That it's like yeah, there were some tribal people. It's probably the Sudians. Yeah. And maybe the Manians. Yeah. But they are on the side of Nabopolassar. They see where the wind is blowing. They don't want to get die in Nineveh. I think it's the Sidians that switch sides. Yeah, plus there's a lot of Sidians. Like when we read them in Herodotus, there's like tons of tribes. I think they're like, you know, and they might have, have got some of those man-eaters and brought them with them, you know? <laughs> and maybe the Cimmerians as well. We don't have clear records of what they're doing. Exactly. They could have been, there's so many tribes. You could just imagine them going in with his agents, you know, and being like, Getting different tribes to join the war. Just, you know, even in the, like the French and Indian War in America, they, you know, some tribes fought for one side and some tribes fought for the other side. So I think it was something like that. And he, he was definitely good at recruiting them. And that, imagine the Assyrians, they didn't, I guess you can't have like Scythians man your, man your walls. That's not their thing. What are you going to do with their horses on your walls? So they're not like a defensive army. No, but you could have them like raiding the supply lines and... Uh... Killing Babylonians in the open. Yeah, that would have been a good idea. If we ever go back and advise the Assyrians, we'll tell them to do that. Get some of those Scythians to... When I first read about the end of the empire, I got the feeling that everybody was here and that the Assyrians had pissed off everybody during these 300 years of terror. Yeah. And that's pretty much what's happening, right? Yeah. The, the Scythians, maybe the Arameans, if there are any left... But everybody feels that the world would be a better place without Assyria. Yeah. And this is the final battle. Sinsharishkun and the royal army will fight to the death against this attacking force. And the Medes, definitely, probably everybody, wants to destroy the Assyrian capital of Nineveh and kill as many Assyrians as they can. Just wipe it out. The sources for this siege are terrible. Mm -hmm. because we don't have any Assyrian writing, and we have the fall of Nineveh Chronicle from Babylonia, and it's super short. Yeah. What's it say? It's pretty simple. Yes. Something along the lines of, an a city was attacked, and an ancient culture, and a, so proud people were destroyed. Something like that, right? This is the text uh, from, from the Chronicle. Quote, The siege lasted for three months. In July, the city fell. King Sinsharishkun, who had once been in charge of Babylon, 
is said to have committed suicide. The looting of the town continued until August 10, when the Meads finally went home. End quote. We will go into more detail, or we'll try to go into more detail. But mm-hmm. that, that's the source. Right. And in our, whatever archaeology we have. <laughs> Nineveh at the time was probably the biggest city in, in the Western world. Yeah. The city had multiple gates. So once you could breach one gate, you, you would get into the city and fight to the death. Diodorus lays out the tradition that the city was flooded by the Tigris River. Hmm. I have someone writing here about Diodorus that his account is often suspect, but this aspect has been given attention. The allied armies entered the area of the outer wall and fought to enter the palace. Temples were looted and the palace was burned, though this did not destroy the city and may have aided the preservation of clay texts. Yeah. Archaeologists have discovered the remains of 40 of the defending Assyrian soldiers. Really? Yes. They're all shot up, I guess, with arrows and killed and whatnot. Sin Shari Ishkun disappears from history. He is assumed to have died in the siege. I I want him fighting to the end in the palace, like slaying Babylonian and Medes. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe he burned. Like, that's where that story of Sardanapolis came from, if we recovered that. And it was like, that they got a cut or conflated with him and, um, you know, Ashurbanipal's war in Babylon in the 40s and the 50s. What was his brother's name? I can't think of Ashurbanipal's brother's name. Shamashumukin. Yeah, Shamashumukin. Yeah. So, yeah, that, they got a conflated with Shamashumukin's when he, they said he went down in flames in Babylon and then maybe maybe it was Sinsharukin here that went down in flames, and they get the whole. Sometimes you know the historians at the time got it mixed up, but we yeah, we lost a lot of that. There was this other. There's a Babylonian historian, Barossus, I think is his name. We lost all of his work, and I bet you he had something in there. Probably, yeah. Remember that the Assyrians were masters of siege warfare, mm-hmm. but they were masters of attacking in siege warfare. Yeah. And maybe not as good at defending. They didn't manage to defend Asher two years before. No. And if they actually... The river was probably redirected for like all these gardens and stuff. Yeah. And could probably be used to flood the city. The Assyrians definitely were not used to their heartland being attacked. No. They did defend the heartland during Bronze Age collapse, but... <laughs> it's a long time ago. This fall is so quick that, like, they've been around for 300 years, and now it all goes down. In 613 BC, they were out campaigning, and everything looked uh, swell. Yeah. But now, Nineveh is razed to the ground. Just destroyed it. The fall of Nineveh shocked the ancient world. The Jewish prophet Nahum Mm -hmm. writes a description of this. He describes the Median armies advancing to the city that once ruled the Near East. So now I'm quoting the Jewish prophet Nahum. An attacker advances against you, Nineveh. The shields of his soldiers are red. The warriors are clad in scarlet. The metal on the chariots flashes. On the day they are made ready. The spears of pine are brandished. The chariots storm through the streets rushing back and forth through the squares. They look like flaming torches. They dart about like lightning. He summons his picked troops, yet they stumble on their way. 
They dash to the city wall. The protective shield is put in place. The river gates are thrown open and the palace collapses. It is decreed that the city be exiled and carried away. Hmm. That was for sacking Jerusalem back in 701. Not sacking it, I should say, sieging it. Yes, do you mean that this was the wrong quote? No, no, no. I mean that the Hebrew God got them back. Yeah. That was payback. <laughs> now, whom is, now, whom is the one that wrote about the sack of Thebes, too? He hated the Assyrians. Uh, reports of the destruction of Nineveh reached even faraway Greece, <laughs> where the poet Phocolides recognized the lesson. So, quote from Phocolides. A small city, well organized and built on a steep promontory, is stronger than foolish Nineveh. End quote. Yeah. Yep. They just left open. This is probably the situation then where the library Ashurbanipal accidentally survives. Yeah. Something is knocked down, blocking the entrance to the library, and the library survives unplundered. It must have been one of the greatest treasures in Nineveh, and they don't find it. And they burned and it hardened all the clay. Yeah. The Medes are super mad at Assyria. And they deface the statues, they tear down things, they tear down buildings. And the destruction of Nineveh, it's not complete yet. But in the end, it will be so complete that when Greek soldiers march past Nineveh in 200 years, they see the remains of the walls and they ask locals, what is this place? And the locals don't know. Yeah. They have no idea of who lived in Nineveh. That is crazy. Xenophon, I think, right? Xenophon marched past them. Yes, it's Xenophon. All right. Just like a mound. And plus, you know, they're so, so superstitious. They probably said there's all ghosts there, so they didn't want to live in it anymore. And then and people don't even know what it is. Amazing. Thank you for listening. <laughs> and thank you, thank Bernie. You. You're welcome. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash fanofhistory. Just a dollar an episode would help us out. Thanks, and see you next time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.